Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. All right, welcome back to the Omega Particle. You have discovered it as we embark on another excursion into podcasting excellence. Now, from the title of this episode, you can see that this isn't going to be like a normal, as I can say normal, because we've only done five prior episodes to this, but this isn't going to be the typical Star Trek episode, and this is one of the reasons why. I want to do it, and I'm excited to do it. Now, a lot of people say that covering these type of issues like are gossipy or beneath and are just straight up like media trash. And all I have to say to that is, you're absolutely right. <laughs> there is a famous comedian that me and my friends enjoy. Shout out to the Storms Brothers. His name is Jim Gaffigan. And he has this bit on like how media and and that kind of celebrity gossip is, is basically like McDonald's, how it's, it's not really any good nutritional value. It just tastes good and makes us feel good. And this is a McDonald's episode. (laughs) So strap in. And also like going through, like I said, in my very first episode, I've listened to a lot of Star Trek podcasts and I could never really... They fit kind of the same mold all the time. It's always, okay, we're doing a series review. We're going to do a a news, like an update Star Trek news where that's the whole episode. But they really never dive deep into these behind-the-scenes drama. And that is kind of a shame to me because I love Star Trek and I like to know what goes on behind the scenes of my favorite shows, which all of you do too. So if if I get any backlash from this, just know if you Google like Voyager drama or, or drama on the Voyager set or anything like that, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of articles about this. It's just not a small fraction of the Star Trek community that's wondering about this. We're all wondering about this. And I'm happy to cover that today. Now, to kind of give you a perspective of why I've chosen Voyager, Voyager is on their 25th anniversary this year. Congratulations to Voyager. And also, this has been more in the news lately since Jerry Ryan has come back to do Picard. And we'll cover this in the recap section, but there's also more a Voyager documentary coming out soon. And they've already started filming segments of that on the Star Trek cruise happening this week, the first week of March. I think it's really fun. I think it's curious and it's interesting topic. Maybe we'll do more episodes. I know that there were some back stuff going on in the next generation, but they actually turned out to be one of the tightest family-like cast of all. Voyager was the same way, but I think we all know what happened in season four. So... Let's get into the feud, the good, the bad, and the ugly behind the scenes of Voyager 
Before I get started, I really want to preference this and make this absolutely clear, okay? I don't want to come off wrong in any way possible. I am not villainizing anybody. I am not coming out against any particular person, actor, actress, anything at all. These are just simply what has been going on in the past, speculations, and what we've heard from the actors and actresses themselves. Now, I will say this. This is a great reminder before we get into this. There are two sides to every story. Also, that there's two sides to every story. You never know what somebody's personally going through. Um, I always use an example. I used to work at this company, and my boss, who was in her maybe early 40s, all of a sudden became a tyrant. Now, before that, she was very lovely, but she became this tyrant, and it turns out down the road that we found out she got pregnant and had a baby, but she was having infertility issues. So for that six-month period, she was dealing with a lot at home, and it explained a lot. So before we get into this segment with Jerry Ryan and Kate Mulgrew, just preference, you never know what's happening, what's happening in somebody's personal life, and there's two sides to every story. Okay, he's got that disclaimer out of the way, so we're ready to roll and ready to get into this. Now, Voyager came out in what I like to call the golden age of Star Trek. It was a great time to be a Star Trek fan. We had TNG, we had DS9, and we had Voyager. And that actually was really important to the success. I'm sorry, Next Generation was very important to the to the success of DS9 and Voyager because DS9 and Voyager got picked up on seven-year series right off the bat, which is very unusual in TV. Hence, look at Enterprise. It got canceled after four seasons abruptly. So having this seven-year series pick up is a lot and goes into the decision of the Voyager management, as we'll see. So... Voyager was right, was competing with TNG and DS9. I know at the beginning it premiered right after TNG and then coincided later after TNG went off the air with DS9. So it was constantly trying to get viewership. So it was already behind the bat, behind the plate, as you would say, compared to the other um, Star Trek shows. So one of the big draws that Voyager had was that they were going to have the first female captain in all of Star Trek for the first time in 30 years. 30 years at this point. I know we just hit the 50th anniversary a few years back, but in the 90s, it was the first time in 30 years they had a Star Trek captain. And and I know in 2020, it's hard to believe this was a big, big deal back then. They didn't have the kind of progressive agenda we have today. So, Kate Mulgrew got the job. Interesting fun fact, there was actually another female captain and she lasted maybe a week, I think, or a day. She was very quick turnover. And now that they had Mulgrew, and we'll get into this later, the ramifications of that first captain. So they they now that they have Mulgrew, she became essentially the face of Voyager. She was on all of the magazines. She was hanging out with the Clintons. She was hanging out with astronauts. She was basically the, the face of the show, which are all the captains are. Whether that's Cisco or Picard, 
all of the captains in this golden age were the face of the show, and as they should be the face of the show. Now, one of the interesting, in which I absolutely loved and absolutely behind this, is that Kate Mulgrew was all about not portraying Janeway in a super sexist way. Now, sec- I'm sorry, sexist may be the wrong word, in a super sexual way. She refused multiple times. She had an interview at the Denver Comic-Con a few years back. She actually refused multiple times to have and turn down this relationship with Chakotay. She's like, I don't want it. I don't want this to all be romance with Janeway. I want her to be seen as a captain and then as a leader first and have her romantic interest pushed back to the in the foreground, in the background. Like, we don't need that. And and that's really respected. And that's awesome because that's a great role model for little girls to be like, hey, you can be important and it's not about your sexuality that makes you important. It's your it's your drive and it's your skill and it's what you bring to the table. And that's that's awesome. That's great. Mulgrew definitely stood on that platform as she should have and and voiced that. Like I said prior, that there was a lot of hesitation with this female captain in the mid-90s when they started Voyager because the first female captain only lasted, I think, a day or a week. And then Mulgrew came in and she describes an interview with people that they were literally breathing down her neck, that they were all over her. (laughs) They, Mulgrew describes it as she was sitting in the captain's chair and she had this line of Paramount executives standing in front of her with her arms crossed, staring at her with the attitude of, we're waiting for you to slip up any moment. We're going to take you out and we'll replace you with a man. So definitely some misogyny there. Thankfully, Mulgrew outlasted that and she became a great captain in the series and in Star Trek lore. So we're, we're kind of just setting the table a little bit, giving you some background information before we really get into why Jerry Ryan was brought in. So like I, I, I said before, there was a lot of Star Trek shows going on, and oh, pretty much oversaturation. There was three shows on. You had the TNG movies coming out at the same time. So it was just a lot. And then they're bringing in Voyager. It just, the ratings were awful. <laughs> the ratings were terrible. Like I said, they picked them up on a seven-year series. So they had to fulfill those seven years. And what is one way, sadly, one way they could boost ratings and boost it instantly? And that is bringing in this this beautiful woman in Jerry Ryan and putting her in this skin-tight cat suit, pretty much, for nothing more than sexualization and bringing her to the forefront of all of Voyager's PR and press. Now, fun fact, that Jerry Ryan actually turned down the role of Seven of Nine, I think, four times. She did not want the character to be portrayed in a sexual way, where it was all about her sexuality and nothing more. And she multiple times turned it down and turned it down. And the Paramount management assured her, no, it's not like that at all. We'll give you this great character arc and... And they did give her a great character arc in the end, so they didn't lie to her. But at the very beginning, it was all about her sexuality. So now you know why the table is set for this 
feud. Before we even bring Jerry Ryan onto the set, she began on season four, one of the cast members had to be cut away. I guess due to budgetary reasons and restrictions. And that cast member was the girl that played Kess. The, I think Okara, that was the, the species name. Which is, okay, side note, that is a very weird species that they only live like seven years. I know the caretaker was above them and, and kind of watching over them and guarding them. But, I mean, it's as a weird, first off, weird writing decision to be like, hey, this character is going to be a grandma by the time we wrap this show up. So, granted, weird, maybe they plan on getting rid of Kess. But, yes, they had to get rid of Kess, which, and I know a lot of the Star Trek cast are super close. And so they they started out with Kess and they had her for three years and all of a sudden she's being replaced. So she's getting written off the show. So already the cast is even a little like fickle, like, okay, you're only bringing this, getting rid of our friend here and you're bringing this lady in because her ratings are terrible. That's really what it's about. So the cast is already a little bit on edge. And Mulgrew is a little bit on edge because it also goes against her whole philosophy behind Janeway is that you don't have to be this sexual. And so what do they do? They bring in this woman character that's completely sexualized and she brings importance in the Star Trek world. It's a great dynamic and a great, I mean, it's it's almost too good to be true. It's almost like it was made for TV, quote unquote, this kind of feud and behind the scenes drama. Now, when initially when Jerry Ryan was brought in, Mulgrew and the cast did the right thing. They were saying, praising her, saying she's a great addition. We love having her. It's a great, great thing. And and we really are happy that she's here. So they did the right thing at the beginning. But however, you could definitely tell on set that things have changed and that now it kind of starts and cracks in the foundation start to appear. And it's not, and like I said, a preference, you don't know what people are dealing with in the past. You don't know when there's two sides to every story. So as we get into this next segment, just please keep that in mind. And we're not villainizing anybody. <laughs> okay. We're all on the same page. At the very beginning of this bringing Jay Ryan, and this, when I talk about this whole thing, it's, it's primarily set in the fourth season of Star Trek, the fourth and fifth season of, of Star Trek Voyager. And initially when Jerry Ryan was brought in and, and Kate Mulgrew was there, she really didn't harbor any resentment or attitude towards Jerry Ryan, who's mainly at the Paramount management. And she complained to them a lot. She was like, we need to get rid of her. I don't like her. Get rid of her, get rid of her. And she just complained to the management. And then she started complaining to the show producers that you need to get rid of her. I don't like her. Please, please, please. And then nothing happened. And eventually her anger and frustration got to Jerry Ryan, who plays Seven of Nine. And real quick, before we get into specifics of this feud, um, I, I don't know if you've ever watched Voyager, but one of the main things you notice between the first three seasons and then the last four, five, six, and seven, last four seasons, is the tonal shift now, as we all love Star Trek, there are character developments and, and episodes that specifically build up one character and they delve deep into their story and it's great. And then they can play that in future um, episodes and you automatically are caught up. 
And they were doing that. They were doing that with Chakotay. We saw him with um, his like Native American past. We saw him with the Cardassians and the Maquis. And then you had this great Maquis Starfleet kind of relationship in the first couple episodes, first seasons. And then you dive deep into Paris and then Ensign Kim and then Balana Taurus. And so you, you see all these other characters kind of build up, which is normal for Star Trek. That is what they do. One of the many reasons why I love the show. So with that in mind, when they bring in Jerry Ryan, that completely shifts tonal shift, new showrunners, new producers, and they really emphasize and really hark on Seven of Nine, The Doctor, and Captain Janeway. They really hone in. Like I said before, supporting cast was already kind of on edge because they got rid of one of their close friends and the actress that played Kess. Now they're even more antagonized because now they're getting less screen time and less character development, a lot less screen time and a lot less character development in lieu of this new person and these new showrunners. That's interesting because I would probably be upset too. So I don't really blame the cast or anybody on it and not saying that they were mean or upset or vile towards anybody like Jerry Ryan or Kate Mulgrew or the show producers. They were just understandably upset about it because it's like, hey, like I thought we would do this. Now, interesting fact, Garrett Wang, who plays Ensign Kim, actually requested to do a direct an episode of Voyager, and he got denied. Interesting, he is the only person, Star Trek cast member, to request to direct an episode and be denied. He's the only one. So sadly, Ensign Kim never got that promotion and Garrett Wing, I guess, never got that promotion. So it's you can definitely tell they they didn't want to take a lot of risk in the later episodes, like I said, for the ratings. So they really kept things in check and really honed in and harped on those three characters of Seven, the Doctor, and Captain Janeway, which in a way made Seven of Nine one of the greatest Star Trek characters ever because she had such a fleshed out plot because she had all this time. So it's, it's a weird dichotomy that it's like, Oh, it's like, we're going to give you all this screen time. And now you like are one of the best characters and plot characters of all of Star Trek. So I guess it worked out in the long run, but here we are. There was even multiple, multiple reports that Robert Beltran, the guy that plays Chakotay threatened to quit multiple, multiple, multiple times, multiple times. So he was not very supportive or happy of this whole new addition. So all coming to a head now, the cast is a little peeved off. Kate Mulgrew is a little peeved off. And we're going to get into three specific instances behind the scenes that happen between Mulgrew and Ryan. Now, there were a lot of instances that I could have I could have made this show an hour and a half and just brought up every single fact and every reported case. But these three things were chosen because they summarized the whole all of them that I read about. So I didn't want to waste everyone's time and go through all of these when you've been like, okay, that we got the the gist of it. So these three things I'm about to cover are very petty 
and they are very kind of uh like roll your eyes at but multiple sources have come about it and it is true so again take it in stride but here we go So like I said, one of the very first and probably one of the most famous things that I read about in researching all of this was Kate Mulgrew actually said to the producer like, hey, that cat suit that Jerry Ryan gets in takes way too long to get in, get out of. So can you just like make her only use the bathroom before she puts it on and after? Because I don't want to waste our time. And even several cast members complained about this. It's that it took too long if she had to go to the bathroom to put on, take off, put on, take off. So, I mean, you can't ask a human being to be like, hey, you can't use the bathroom for the next eight hours, so hold it in. So, obviously, that request was denied by the show producers. But it just kind of puts it in perspective of, yeah, like, okay, this is how petty this is getting, I guess you could say. Um, and that cat suit, it was like this corset thing and it did not look comfortable. There's even reports and rumors that Jerry Ryan passed out and blacked out while wearing it because it was so tight it cut off circulation of uh, things you could get away with in the nineties that you really couldn't get away with now. Very erroneous kind of action there, in my opinion, asking, even requesting that, but Again, here we are, and and now you know the backstory of why they would ask those things and why their attitude behind asking those things. Um, Another one very famous instance as we go into the second incident is, you know, Voyager and the Astrometrics Lab that is a very critical part of the show, and they added it for Seven of Nine in later seasons. It's just like this giant green screen pretty much. And it's very high tech for the time. And and then they have like maybe like a little like caveat of like monitors and stuff like that. But there's only one set of doors in and out. So it's not like it's a very open set. A little another backstory. Whenever there's a close up on a show and they do the makeup and hair and all of that, there's a close up. They Before they do the close up, they have to come in and make sure the wardrobe's right. They have to make sure the hair's right. They make sure the makeup's right. And so apparently Kate Mulgrew was so upset at this. She slammed those one set of doors, refused to let any of the supporting role, like makeup, hair, makeup in and said, let's just do it. She's fine. I'm not waiting. And screaming that everyone was like, okay, we'll just roll with it. So again, kind of this petty passive aggressive but definitely difficult situation to work with and one thing is if when you watch voyager there are multiple 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 scenes with Catherine janeway and seven of nine and they continually have these scenes because it's important and, and janeway's trying to help seven discover her her humanity and and build her up as a person and so you have these intimate great scenes between Janeway and Janeway and Seven of Nine and believe it or not and this is why everyone may trash this kind of McDonald's information and in episodes 
But if you just watched it like I did, you would think they're the best of friends. There was nothing but professionalism on that cast. And it never bled onto the screen or or even any way, shape, or form. So when I initially learned about this years and years ago, I was like, are you kidding me? Really? If anything, I thought these people would be best friends in real life, not have little feuds and have little issues behind the scenes that almost brought the show down. But okay. One thing Kate Mongrew would do continually in season four and season five is that she would like read magazines, clip her nails, paint her nails, um, whenever they like Seven and Mulgrew would have these, I'm sorry, Seven and Captain Janeway would have these scenes together. Mulgrew was off scene for a while. She would just do these annoying things while Jerry Ryan was acting, apparently to her, like acting towards her, reading her lines to her, and Mulgrew just didn't care. She even talked behind the scenes under her breath and practiced lines, and so... I'm sure the sound guys and the boomer guys didn't appreciate that. <laughs> it was just, again, like this passive-aggressive attitude. And and like I said, there there are a lot of more examples beside the three I just mentioned. However, you get the gist of it. It was kind of like quasi-hostile work environment. And if you're saying, Jonathan, that's really extreme, don't take my word for it. In a few minutes, we'll play a clip from a Comic-Con in Germany with Jerry Ryan and Garrett Wang. And this isn't in the clip, but Jerry Ryan has described several times that she felt nauseous and stressed out. And she hated the night before when she knew Janeway and seven scenes were coming because when it was just the two of them, it was like all, this is when she would get this kind of petty passive aggressive drama behind the scenes. And she hated it. She would stay up all night. She was nauseous. She was miserable, she said, on the nights before shooting with Mulgrew. And that comes from her mouth. So it's not like I'm just blowing this out of proportion. So let's play that clip of Ryan and Wang in the from the Germany Comic-Con. But that just added to the tensions. You've got, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was sort of the perfect storm because you've got a new character being added and somebody leaving. You have all of the attention now shifts to this new character with the press and the media and all of that. Then you've got writers who have been writing for the same, what is it, seven characters, eight characters, nine, however many there were of us, um, for three years at that point. And now there's a new character. And not only is it just a new character, but it's a really rich character to write for. So they're salivating to write for anybody new, but it's just so that it's something different to write into relationships with other characters. But so then Seven became, if not the A storyline, then a really big B storyline in almost every episode for the first at least two seasons I was on it. And so that's hard. That's not easy for anybody. Understandably. I mean, of course that's going to make... Um, it's going to ruffle feathers and it's going to make other actors uncomfortable. And um, so I, I totally get it, but it was handled differently by different actors. But for me, it was it was very difficult for me, and I, I don't really talk about this that much. But I was uh, for me, it was honestly like watching my my mom or my aunt and my sister having ten issues or tension there, and it. it 
most of the Comic Cons for Voyager, whenever it's Mulgrew or Ryan, always get these questions. So again, you may say this is not worthy of Star Trek. This is just McDonald's. However, someone always asks the question. So people want to know. People want to get this information. And I Googled it. And yeah, so I think what this clip does is definitely reinforce the other interviews we've heard, multiple sources we've heard, and kind of makes it, okay, getting the whole picture here, that this was really kind of a hostile. So we've discovered this feud on set between Ryan and Mulgrew, and, and we know the reasons why, and we know the the actual actions that happened in it. Now, like I said, we're 25 years from that. What has been happening in the meantime? Oh, real quick before we get into that. Um, I know I mentioned several times that this was mainly happening in season four and season five. That's because Jerry Ryan started dating the show's producer, main producer, Branga. And once that happened, all of this stopped. So season four and season five, she had it. Season six, season seven was fine. And she's even joked in interviews saying, well, I guess when you're dating the boss, everybody falls in line. So that is true. <laughs> so now you know the whole story. It wasn't like it was her four seasons that she had to deal with this. It was just two. And now you know the reasons why it stopped. Going forward again, it's been 25 years. And what does that mean now? Are they still at odds with one another? Have they reconciled? And I was reading this interview with an author of this book called The 50-Year Mission. And he came out when the 50th anniversary of Star Trek happened. And he wanted to cover all of everything Star Trek, behind the scenes, on the scenes, everything. And he tried to reach out to Mulgrew multiple times. She denied it. She's not really one to kind of the olive branch and talk about this subject. And so he eventually reaches out and he's like, hey, I'm going to write this book. And if you want to be in it, now's the chance because it's about to be published. Mulgrew agrees. And now we get her side of the story. And this, to me, really put things in perspective. And I was like, do you know what? She probably was dealing with stuff and took it harder maybe than she had to. But in the interview, I was very impressed with her. And she definitely deserved the captain's chair after that. (laughs) A little nerdy, but she definitely did. Kate basically said, this is all of my fault. This is not on Jerry at all. Jerry was a complete professional. She came in, did what she had to do, did what she was asked, played her role beautifully. And this is everything is my fault. It's all on me. And that she's embarrassed about what happened. And, and, but at the same time, it's, it is what it is. And it's the past. And there's nothing you can do to change it. And that's okay. Like sometimes people make mistakes. Sometimes people don't act in the best way or send an email they shouldn't. And we've all been there. We've all done things we've regretted and treated people that we wish we treated better. But that's life and it moves on. Now it's it's very different, I'm happy to say, between Ryan and, and Mulgrew. And through the years and being on the convention circuit and being close to one another, it seems like they've buried or Mulgrew's buried the hatchet and she's perfectly fine with Jay Ryan now. And they're actually um, sitting together at the 
this past um, Star Trek convention in Vegas and sitting next to another, sitting next to each other, having a good time laughing. And, and they're even, um, this is posted like today on the Star Trek cruise. They're just hanging out, having drinks together. And I'm like, I guess this is, everything's fine. That makes me really happy because they're really, Mulgrew should have never taken it out on Jerry. It was pretty much paramount that she had the issue with. And like I said, not villainizing and completely understand everyone's actions in this. Yeah, and which is good because I want these two amazing Star Trek characters to get along, like, in real life. And I'm glad they're doing it now. And and maybe one day have maybe another on-screen, bring in Admiral Janeway and Seven of Nine, who's now this ranger in the neutral zone. Maybe Picard will do it. I doubt it. But, yeah, stranger things have happened in the Star Trek universe. And don't get me wrong, there wasn't an entire animosity on set all the time. Now, when I found this out, I thought it was hilarious. And it's definitely something you can get away with now. Hashtag Me Too movement. Because in the early days of Voyager, and even in like the later epi- seasons, like when Braga brought, got brought in, is that they were filming at like three or four in the morning and they were going on these like 12, 14 hour days and it was exhausting. So Mulgrew describes that like that some of these male characters on the show like spit spitballs at her and would throw things at her, like throw comm badges at her when she was doing scenes. And there's one memorable thing she was describing that she was having this debate with a Kazon and somebody threw a spitball at her and she was like, what is that? And so there was definitely like this fun, like joking atmosphere on the set sometimes. So it wasn't like it was all work all the time. And and what I said about the Me Too thing is that sometimes they would just like randomly be naked, the guy members on set to mess with Mulgrew during a scene. So you can't do that now, but it, it's not definitely wasn't from a place of animosity that the men were at Mulgrew or anything like that. No, it was actually... She said multiple times in interviews, and they've also said multiple times that they love each other and it was great and joking and and it was just a different time. You can't do that now, but they they did it before. Before we wrap up this episode, I'm gonna cover two things. The first being I mentioned it before, Robert Beltrain. And the other feud issue I found with Voyager and researching was that Beltrain really, the guy who played Chakotay, was really upset at the writers and habitually like denounced the writers, criticized the writers while on the show. He even advocated for them to kill him off multiple times because like I, like I said before, earlier in the episode, you had this great storyline and character development, Chakotay and his ancestors and, and why he has the face tattoo. And and it was awesome. And it was cool to see that Native American style in the 23rd and 24th century. However, when they shut him off and he went to basically nothing, he's even said in a, in um, an interview that they took everything from him. Once they took Seska away, he, he had no relationships on the show. He had Janeway, eh, but again, they weren't focusing on him. He didn't have any special relationship with Tuvok or Neelix or anybody. He was just kind of alone and by himself. And he didn't like that. He felt like he was just wasting his time. He'd come in for 20 minutes, say a line or two, and be done for the day. Now, 
I, I mean, I, that would be annoying to me. So I get why he's upset and he's habitually even said that it's, it's just, yeah, he, he was unhappy and wanted to leave. And I, I don't know if the writers were throwing him a bone in season seven of Voyager by making him and making Jacote and seven kind of have this romance plot line. I don't know. Jerry Ryan even came out and said she was annoyed by it because it seemed Russian just kind of out of the blue, which it did. So I'm kind of curious why they did that. But maybe they were throwing him a bone. Maybe they didn't want him to quit. Like I said, they had great storylines, took it back. And so there's a completely understand there's a reason to be upset. And I mean, and keep in perspective, like, just recently, Robert Beltran has kind of fallen off the map a little bit. He said that Starfleet is nothing but fascist. And it's all just just garbage. And it's pure fascist propaganda. Which I'm like, bro, have you seen Star Trek? <laughs> it's the exact opposite of fascism. So I really don't know what's happening. Again, two sides every story. So we'll see. But um, that's the only other big feud and drama I could find on the Voyager set was just this very outspoken Beltrain against the writers and against the staff, which completely understand why he would have that attitude. Don't blame him at all. I mean, he was even so harsh to say that while on the show, that Seven diminished everyone else, that she brought everyone else down kind of to tie this back to the Janeway seven feud. He said that if someone treated me the same way that Kate is treating Jerry and they were a man, I'd punch him in the face. So again, this isn't just me here. There's definitely was some animosity on set. And I just thought that was a funny quote. Cause I was like, Oh, okay. Well, that's very strong feelings there, but shows what he thought between the feud between the two girls now that is all of the big time feuds and behind the set drama on Voyager. I'm sure there was other spats and on set, but these were the big ones and, and this is all I wanted to carry. And I wanted to kind of try to keep the episode around 30 to 40 minutes again. So I didn't want to push it again to give you every single occurrence or rumored occurrence. So um, you got the gist of it. You got the background. You got why, what kind of happened. And now that everyone's kind of patched things up, excluding Beltrain and his fascist comments about Star Trek. So that is Voyager. But before we we sign off, I want to add one really neat, cool fact that I researched multiple times and confirmed. And this comes from the original series. And we all know that a famous Kirk or Hura scene, it was the first interracial kiss on network television. It's a moment, a proud moment in all of TV history. But there's a really funny quirk about that scene. Originally, that scene was supposed to be between Spock and Uhura. But William Shatner kept messing up on purpose when they filmed that 
so he could be in the scene and make history. So this is Voyager's feuds and the modern feuds have been going on in Star Trek for a long time. Not saying there was a feud, but there was definitely like a little shot across the bow. Like, okay, really? (laughs) But um, yeah, I thought that was a neat little fun fact that Shatner did to make and be a part of TV history. So once again, thank you all so much for um, subscribing and, and all the love and support you guys have given us. We just passed 200 followers on Instagram. I don't know when you're listening to this. This is the first week of March. I think I'm recording on March 5th or 6th. And just thank you so much for all the support. Um, again, we're trying to get on platforms so everyone can listen to us. We just added on Stitcher. Right now we're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and now we're on Stitcher as well. So you can definitely find us. Again, if you have any suggestions for the show, definitely hit us up at our Instagram. And the tagline is at Omega Particle Podcast. And, or email us at Omega Particle Podcast at gmail.com. We'd be happy to debate, reason, agree, or just share um, some of our Star Trek comments and thoughts. Again, thank you so much for your support. I enjoyed this episode a lot. This is something I wanted to make for a while because, again, I wanted to make episodes that I've researched before I had a podcast and I enjoyed researching and it enhances the show a little bit for me. Um, so I definitely might do this again for TNG and, and any other Star Trek, or I may never pick it up again. We don't know. Just depends on the feedback and depends on what other um, subject matters come down the pipeline that I may want to do and cover. But thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And always remember, second start of the right, straight on to morning.